listening to the Hopped Up Network. The show you're about to listen to is part of the Hopped Up Network's growing family of craft beer podcasts in the U.S. and Canada. I think it's great. Find this show and others like it at hoppedupnetwork.com, the spot for informative and entertaining craft beer podcasts. I love it. I love you guys. You're listening to the Hopped Up Network. You're listening to the Pints and Provisions podcast with Evan, Mark, Ryan, and Dan. You're listening to the Pints and Provision Podcast with Evan, Mark, and Dan. Oh, I forgot some. I can't All right, Dan. Thanks for joining me from Lombard. How you doing? I'm doing well, man. Absolutely. I um, I just went back and looked at um, the most recent podcast, and I think this is like the tenth in a row no. before tonight that I wasn't <clears throat> that I wasn't on. Well, that's not that's not really fair. I mean, we've been we've been trying to churn them. You've been churning um, them. Yep. Yep. <laughs> um, but thankfully. We both were readily available tonight. Uh, now, we've had some technical difficulties, but readily available tonight because uh, Mark is enjoying the sun and sand uh, of St. Martin's. And uh, Ryan, congratulations to him and Molly. They have had uh, their twin girls. So that's super awesome news. I know he's got plans to uh, celebrate a little bit once he gets home with probably a great beer, but uh, I think he's probably pretty busy making sure that they're both uh, well taken care of. Yeah, I mean, congrats to Ryan. That's big time. I mean, I can't imagine having two in one day as they did, but um, I know they've been excited and, and, and anxiously waiting, and you know, to get to where they are is pretty amazing. So, congrats to Ryan, and congrats to Mark. Uh, incentive trip. He makes them every year, and they get treated like kings down there, kings and queens, excuse me. Um, and um, so, good for them. But we're here in cold, rainy Illinois, and we're doing some fireside chats. <laughs> yeah. So uh, glad thank- to be here, man. Yeah, I'm. I'm glad that we had the opportunity to do this tonight because I thought we had a pretty interesting topic because not only did we get to talk about some of our favorite breweries, but we get to talk a a little bit more about, you know, how the beer industry, especially how big beer influences little beer and how, uh, how important it is that you know who owns what and who controls what. Yep. Um, first off, we can kind of go over our beers of the week. Uh, why don't you go ahead? You, you, uh, had mentioned earlier when we were, uh, going the, the first time around about, stuff that you were uh, enjoying with our friend Phil? Yep. So went to Phil's place for the Super Bowl, um, you know, long journey over there through the uh, cold. Um, he had some ulterior motive IPA from Alter Brewing uh, here in Downers Grove, close to home. Um, pretty cool story about that brewery. Uh, it's a couple guys that, um, from what I understand, retired early and decided, hey, I, we just want to get together and brew some beer. And, um, as those things usually go, when friends get together and start businesses, you end up 
particularly breweries, you end up drinking more than you sell. Um, but they're doing a good thing. I mean, they've got, you know, they're on the shelves here in Chicago. Their distribution is opening up. But um, Ulterior Motive is their flagship, uh, just a great Midwest IPA. Dry hop with Citra, Simcoe, and you get some malt uh, on the back end. So really good. So thanks, Phil. And hope to have him on another podcast here when we do a garage share again. Yeah, so we can uh, thoroughly show how crazy we are about the beers that we drink. But I think since he've had, he's had a really good introduction, he will be um, at home the next time uh, we intimidate him with microphones. That's, that's a lot of people now. We've really kind of spooked with microphones on the setup. I know. Uh, I mean, he, that was a big one too, man. That was like we were all there. I had another buddy show up. Becky and Steph came out, joined us. It was like, I mean, there was a there was a lot of microphones, a lot of noise, and uh, it turned out great, though. I mean, we had we had a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, it was always fun to hear RP3 story about walking in a dark lord day and um, into a hotel room full of guys he doesn't know, and there's a bunch of recording equipment set up. You know, and speaking of Dark Lord, we all know that uh, I think the running joke is Ryan thinks he's going to Dark Lord Day, and with twins now, uh, the likelihood of that happening is very, very low. But um, I hope he gets to go. For, you know, for, I hope he gets to go. But as I say, uh, both in my business and in my personal life, that things have a way of changing. <laughs> um, very nice. So if it doesn't, if you don't get to go. Just realize it's not going to be the last one, no. and you'll have another opportunity later. So don't press the issue too hard, buddy boy. No, no, now he'll be he'll be he good. Won't. He's he's he he's smart. It. He he gets it. He gets it. My best beer was a beer shared uh, through a mutual friend named Evan as well, uh, but it was the Le Juice by the Alarmist, which is up there in the northern suburbs of Chicago, uh, New England style IPA, which they had won for the New England. Um, hazy IPA category at the, the 2018 GABF. Uh, so good on them for not only uh, competing, but beating New England breweries at their own game. It's always good, man. I'm, you know, we'll get to the list here in a second after we talked about what we're currently drinking or just finished with our technical difficulties but <laughs> we might have um, to get a second one you know we'll, we'll, you know you find on this on this top 100 list that um, you know the, the ratings are driven by retail drinkers and and you know a wide variety of, of consumers of beer um, but the, but three of the top five are located in the northeast largely because of their northeast IPA. Um, but oh, you're yeah. seeing Chicago starting to creep onto that scene and they're gonna be, you know, I, I wouldn't say that I would put, you know, some of these, you know, they have to be around a little longer, you know, to get onto this list. But like the, you know, the Moors and the Noon Whistles and the Alarmist and Half Acre even, you know, putting out some Northeast IPAs that will compete. Um, maybe not on the national level, but it'll get guys like me and you not chasing out to the Northeast when we can get here in Chicago. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm currently drinking, speaking of New, uh, New England Northeast uh, I'm drinking the Maine Beer Company Second Dinner. Uh, this is in Freeport, Maine. So if you find yourself up in the Portland, Maine area, which uh, I will in a few months, and I don't know if I get to go to Maine Beer Company, but um, the label says from our original, quote, whale lunch to our double IPA dinner, our hoppy beers keep us wanting more. Naturally, we want seconds. Drink this beer fresh. Drink it the day you buy it. Uh, great sort of traditional 
style double IPA where it is a little cloudy, but it really has a lot of great citrus and uh, floral aromas on the nose. It's got a good bitter finish. It's got great malt support, The what the hops are doing. So it's not your hazy IPA, but this is kind of what makes you, rem- it reminds you why, why double IPAs are one of my favorite styles. Yeah. And uh, Maine Brewing Company clocks in at number 26 on Ray Beer's top 100 in 2018. So uh, pretty high on the list, all things considered. And, you know, just another one clocking in from the Northeast. Uh, the one I'm going with uh, is the Gone Away IPA with through Half Acre, uh, which comes in at number 78 here close to home, downtown Chicago. Um, it's their flagship classic IPA. Um, hop forward and, you know, you just get a ton of fruit. Clocks in at 7%. Just really good. It comes in a tall boy four pack. So really easy to get. But I like seeing, um, you know, breweries that sort of I cut my teeth on in the craft beer industry. Yeah. Uh, coming coming in on this list, especially considering they're so close to, uh, to where I live. So pretty awesome. Yeah. So the list came out about a week ago on the 29th of January. You did the top 100 breweries in the world. According to a summary score based on available reviews, um, five different weighted scales place emphasis on reviews of the past year. Top performing beers includes historical all-around performance of brewer's range, uh, other factors comparing newer, older, larger, smaller breweries under a single method of processing. Um, I think when you look at number one being Hill Farmstead, yeah, great. I mean, all-around amazing uh, in terms of range and just about everything that they do. It's not like, okay, they got really good spontaneously fermented and, and barrel aged beers, but you know, their IPAs are still amazing. Their stouts are amazing. Hell the, uh, um, uh, bourbon barrel aged maple syrup that I have in the refrigerator is probably one of the top performing condiments that I have in my refrigerator. Uh, but they across the board, I don't think a lot of people would argue with that. Agreed. And, and, you know, and we talked about this prior to technical difficulties, but conversely, you know, you've got Trillium, which I love Trillium. Don't get me wrong. Um, but they are awesome at doing, um, IPAs. They have a wide variety of them. They have awesome logos on their cans. Um, but people are rating these because of the success of their IPAs and not some of their other beers that you just don't hear about. Um, and you know, I think the thing that jumps out about me as they explain, uh, what their rating system is all about, you know, this is, this is the top performing breweries of over 36,000 breweries in the world listed at rate beer. So you think about it as I'm looking down this list, you know, you, you look at like, like toppling Goliath, right? Like how many times, is someone going to have something barrel aged from Toppling Goliath and not give it a five? Right. Like right. no, like never. Right. Whereas you've got, you know, uh, one of the ones we talked about before we jumped on was you know Cantillon, which um, like fifty two comes in at number comes in at number fifty two, which is where you're going to have people with sophisticated palates, people who know beer, love beer, and have been drinking it for a really long time will give that beer the highest ratings most of the time. But then a lot of people who don't have that will just say, I don't like that style. So they give it a two. Yeah. Um, and I mean, it is, and it is harder to get, right? Like when you look at a hundred breweries, a hundred breweries in the world, 73 of them are located in the United States. 27 of them are not. You have, uh, American drinkers who don't necessarily have an affinity for that taste of, you know, those, 
you know, beers from, um, from Belgium, you know, one of the ones that are going to be, you know, just different. They're just different. It's different on the palate. And, um, so, so it's an interesting rating system and, and we'll get into that a little bit later as well. That's interesting. I saw that the, uh, couple of those big mead makers like scrams and superstition are here on like 33 and 35. But again, those are ones that like when you have their specific beers, right? Like their meaderies. And when somebody drinks a mead, when somebody says, hey, I have this mead and it's from Scrams, like I don't know that I've ever had a mead from either of those meaderies that I would say I didn't like that or it wasn't amazing. Yeah. Whereas you've got like, whereas you've got, you know, you look at like founders coming in at number 12. I mean, their distribution alone is going to put them way atop this list because you have so many people consuming it yeah right and it's it's, oh, yeah. it's hard for them to get to be to be rated lowly unless they just have really bad beer which they definitely don't it's very good it's, it's exceptional yeah it's it's a really interesting list like going through it because you obviously see some of, some of these breweries that are not you know they're not out there to sort of make a bunch of money and be sold to the next highest bidder they're sort of the guys that are you know, because of the love of it, because they love just doing what they what they do and they do it well. Like Suarez Family Brewery, you know, they're they're kind of like one of those small little out in the middle of nowhere places that makes great beer, and they don't really care if no one likes what they make. They like what they make, and that's what they want to do. Yeah, well, like another one that jumped out at me on the other side of that is is Three Sons Brewing in Dania Beach, Florida. Like, how yeah. many people do you know? How many people do you know? personally and you know a lot of people in the beer game who have had something from three sons i mean probably (laughs) yeah i mean they have like they have ultra rare bottle releases where they release like a hundred bottles total right so to come in at number 81 i mean the beer obviously has to be amazing because to have that small a sample size and have that many people rated as highly as you do, right? When you have 80 people rating something and somebody gives it a one it drives the number down more significantly than if somebody posts 30,000 times on one brewery, well, yeah, right, like, it just like a Budweiser or a, a, a Bud Light. And I, there's probably going to be more check-ins on, although, no, that's totally. not necessarily true though. But, but you know, the Bud Light drinkers and Budweiser drinkers are not going to be on, you know, rating sites, rating beer. Right. right. But, you know, that's why you see th- things like, oh, let's probably go with, um, if we kind of go down the list and you think about Michigan breweries like Bell's, like how many times is Too Hearted going to be in there? But uh, Too Hard is going to probably be rated yeah, maybe just under around a four on most people's yep. list. So it's not going to be super yep. high, but it's going to be put in there so many times and rated so many times. And it's such a solid beer that they're going to get big ratings. Not saying that they're the slouches at all, but they'll kind of they'll kind of they'll kind of get numbers rather than, you know, ratings. Well, it's um, I uh, so one of the one of the breweries again that jumps out at me here is number uh, one that all of us have, would have heard of would be um, Dogfish Head at yeah. number eighty six. Kind of an interesting segue here, as you know, we talk about rate beer and their recent popping up in the news with um, having been acquired by uh, ZX. Uh, ventures, which is a venture capitalist arm of AB InBev. Um, they acquired a 100% stake um, a couple of days ago. Um, which was only after, like four or five days after this list came out. 
Right. And it, and, it, and it is a, if you read some of the comments and you do some digging, it is sort of an interesting time to drop the news right after the Super Bowl when beer is heavily consumed. Um, and there's just a wide variety of reactions to this, but Dogfish Head clocks in at number 86. And they were one of the ones that in 2017, when ZI Ventures took a minority stake in uh, Rate Beer, who uh, responded pretty poorly to because Dogfish Head obviously has been one of the the titans of the craft beer industry for a long time, just having, you know, sort of pressed the limits for a really long time. But um, they they in 2017 questioned the unbiased nature of the site and asked for all of their ratings to to be removed. In 2017. So it's interesting to see them pop up again on, you know, number 86. So obviously some, you know, the, the relationship has been repaired, but I wonder now how that's going to be with just the way that the business is going with a company like ZX acquiring 100% of rate beer when they're absolutely, I mean, it's a, the venture capital. I mean, it's like your job as the VC portion of AB Bev is to make money through a portfolio of acquiring yeah craft breweries and um and rate beer like this yeah it's interesting yeah and you know sam calgione there at dogfish head has probably been one of the most vocal sort of you know independent craft brewery owners brewers who you know speaks out against big beer and doing what they do so yeah you know he's 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 a guy that most of these independent craft beers brewers follow uh when it comes Mm -hmm. to remaining independent, being independent and, you know, bonding together as independents. So it's such, I, it's I, such a fun list to go through. This. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, I mean, like we, like I look at this and I'm like, you know, we, we've, we've had a lot of the beers on here together. Oh yeah. Um, a couple of them really jump out at me. Like I mentioned, like, you know, when 73 of them are located in the United States and 27 of them are located uh, abroad, you see England pop up a lot. You see Canada come in a few times. You know, obviously you see Belgium. You see Scotland. Um, Estonia is on here, which I thought was the most interesting and obscure of all of them. But um, thirty-six thousand breweries, man. I mean, that's it's it's an absolutely explosive industry, and it's not being driven by the uh, the big dogs. No, no. I mean, no, like, there's a, there's a few big big dog, you know, small brewery ownerships you hear, like, you know, Wicked Weeds on there. And, uh, you know, like, Boulevard and Firestone Walker are pretty much owned by Duvel uh, Morgan. And then you got the Constellation Brands, which is uh, Ballast Point and now Funky Buddha. You know, Goose Island comes in at 56. Um I think the highest one here must be Firestone Walker, I bet, in terms of, yeah, at 16, which, you know, they still really function very, very much. And I think as far as, like, Boulevard goes, they really, Duvel Mortgage just kind of handles marketing and promotional stuff. You know, they still do all the same brewing, much like Goose Island does in terms of uh, Bourbon County brand Stout does. You know, it's still sort of all in-house, but, you know, you got to consider where your source is, too. Yeah. And I think it's increasingly more important, and this goes with everything. I mean, people want to know where their stuff comes from, who owns it. Uh, hell, even here in Peoria, it's like, you know, we know who runs the brewery, who owns the brewery, who brews at the brewery. And when you know all those things, you feel a lot better buying, you know, you're truly buying local. And I know you go down the street to 
um, Distill, which is still a you know local independent craft brewery, but you know they're pretty much you know run by a group of investors, and it's not always completely transparent as to you know who the investors are and what their motives are. Right. Um, interesting. It's a, it's an interesting industry, man, because you have. Um, you have this this industry now that 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 where the the big dogs the 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 macro breweries right like it's even I mean it's even bigger than that right it's like it's not even really the fair word for it it's like you've got the you've got Anheuser and you've got Miller Coors and you've got you know the big domestic guys um, they're the ones that have just an overwhelming share of the market right I mean it's like the, the 80, last time we had talked about it it's eighty percent it's eighty five percent probably yeah. right. 85% and that's a number that's 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 ticking upwards as as you know or t- ticking downwards for them but upwards for the craft beer industry. But it's interesting to see how you know they're the ones who are so actively coming after the little guy and they're and it's like a resistance that the little guy is putting up and trying. So that's where I think you've got you know with this acquisition of Rate Beer by ZX Ventures you've got the concern is like okay well you, now you were competing with our product at first and now you're competing for our users because our users provide you the data. So now you're going to come after us in a different way. And, you know, we talked about it, you know, before we started recording, but like I'm all about, um, I get it, right? A, a company, you start a company for a couple of reasons. You start a company because you love what you do um, and you want to do it forever. Uh, and the other way you start a company because you want to make a lot of money and you want to grow to be acquired. Right. Um, but at the end of the day, Rate Beer was acquired. If you, if you look at the founder and read some of his thoughts, it's like he couldn't keep up based off of what he was doing. He didn't have the coders. He didn't have the analytics department. He, he just didn't, he didn't have what it took. So in 2016, when he sold a minority stake to, Anhe- to AB InBev, they came in and, and gave him a bunch of money. They gave him some, you know, some in-house um, technical support and you know, started – providing him with that capital that he needed to build the business. But then they come along a year later and say, oh, I actually did that. Can't discuss the terms as you can't in M&A, mergers and acquisitions. Then in 2018, they buy 100% of it. So, so logically, people say, what are you going to do about this, right? Like, what's going to change? Why should I continue rating my beers on your site? Yeah. Because the natural concern is like, are you going to manipulate the data to make it look like AB InBev products are actually better than they are? And there's a very natural resistance when data can be used against you. Now, it's not like I'm not saying it's like Facebook's misuse of data, right? In any way, it's right. not. Right. No. But when you can manipulate data to use it to to gain market share, to gain an advantage, naturally, people who who you know to have you know to, to acclimate towards craft beer are going to be a little skeptical. And I wouldn't be surprised if I would actually predict that you'll see a ton of people going over towards untapped or um, some of these other places where you can find uh, similar information but isn't owned by AB InBev. Yeah, and, but then it could be only a matter of time before a venture capitalist group, uh, ZX Ventures or some other one that's sort of a shell yep. company that says, hey, untapped, you know, I see you guys have tons of users they're rating beers in interesting ways you know can we help you out can we buy you next thing you know it's sort of a similar situation so um and i'm sure that the developers of untapped sort of had something similar in mind like you know you only have to watch uh episodes of 
uh, Silicon Valley to understand, you know, like this is actually really what it's like, you know, it's, yeah. a, it's a, it's a, it's a farce and it's sort of a representation, but you know, they say it's much truer than fiction when it comes to what that real world is like. It's like everybody is out to make something that can then be bought. Well, I mean, but think about it too. Like, you know, imagine creating something, right? Like imagine creating something that an overwhelming major overwhelming number of people more than you ever imagined started to use your product. And somebody came along and said, Hey, I'm going to give you a hundred times what you've put into this a thousand times or whatever it is. Right. Yep. Like imagine being like the people at, I mean, what was the number at wicked weed when they were purchased or I'm sorry, let's use, um, let's use ballast point for example. Right. Mm-hmm. Started in a garage, right? Couple started guys, in a homebrew started- shop. Started in a homebrew shop. Guy took it over to his, you know, builds it into a business that that a mega, mega company comes along and says, "Hey, we want to give you a billion dollars, yeah, for your product." <laughs> we it's so easy for us as the consumer to be like, "How dare they sell out? How dare they sell out?" It's like, "Hey, man, that's a thousand million dollars." <laughs> Do you know? Do you know how many? Do you know how many more things I could do? Do you, I can I can start another brewery. I can start 10. I can give my friends money to start their own brew. It's like, it's so easy for us to be like, how dare they sell out until we're the ones that are offered to be sold out. It's just, it's, I get it. Like, I understand. That's what I'm saying from the beginning. Like the guy at rate beer, like, I don't know what the circumstances are, but they gave him an influx, you know, an inflow of cash that he didn't have and couldn't get his hands on. And then he got it. And, you know, he says that, you know, the day to day things aren't going to change. They aren't going to manipulate their algorithm or their rating system, but you just hope that's true. Right. Right. You just, you just hope like, like, you know, with Goose Island being acquired, I personally don't think, you know, outside of 2015, you know, with the fiasco with, you know, with the, uh, Bourbon County Stout. Yeah. I think their product has, has remained, you know, pretty consistent. Right. I mean, I think it's, I still like their beer a lot. I may not chase it as much because it's it's easier to acquire, and that's part of being acquired. Is you know the, you buy the, you know when you're acquired you you the, you you get distribution that you didn't have before. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and that's big. That's big. I mean, when when you think about brewers, breweries, these are things that you create. These are things that are sort of yours, um, and it's much like a lot of things that are consumable where it's not easy to make a consistent product either. And so when you have a consistent product and you can make it more readily available to more people and people really like it, I mean, yeah, that's motivating, you know, of course it's like, wow, people really like what I make. And you know, it's, it's, it's fun to see something that you made and that goes with just about everything. But when somebody comes along to you and says like, you know, imagine the amount of time that the small business brewer small business owner brewery has to put in to, to be successful, right? Like think about our friends at, at Bearded Owl. Like those guys are there all the time. They love what they do and they wish they could do it more. But like someone comes along to you and says, hey, I'm going to give you name a factor of your investment into this company and I'm going to take away all of the things you don't like doing. You just get to brew beer now. Yeah. So I, I, you know, it's hard for me to be like, I would never do that because that's what they, that's why they started the businesses because they love brewing beer. 
But guys I think like it, that don't get in. Guys like that don't get into business because they love doing payroll, and they love consolidating receipts and making sure that they're that they're you know, growing distribution and things like that. They get in because they love brewing. Yeah, but if but if then again, you still look at this list, and there's definitely breweries where you know that is the case. Like they don't, yep. they don't go back on their go back on their their values and their scruples. They just look at like Hill Farmstead. Do you think that like he does anything less than just sort of passion for making the best product he can make. He doesn't no, like but I, you good, you know, good on him. Right. That's why he said there's two reasons why you do it. But then you go down the list and you think about, I, you know, cigar city, they make great beer, but they're a growing budding brewery that, you know, is, is, is going to be bought, sought after acquired to some degree. Yeah. Um, and New Glarus, I think they've got a passion for what they do and what they like to do. Um, and they've 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 built a very sort of you know local locally loved and respected uh, product. Side projects, well, I mean, yeah, side I mean, projects a, number that, nine, and a, side projects that's makes a really New Glarus is a really good example because it's like they're obviously a very successful brewery. Yeah. And they have staked their they have they have stake, put a stake in the ground and said we are not distributing outside of Wisconsin. Yeah, and they I mean, that's they, that's something, man. That I mean that that is like, this is what we do. We love it, and we're and Three Floyds is the same way, right? I mean, how many times have we heard them say, you know, why doesn't Three Floyds open true. up a brew pub in Chicago? Why don't they do this? And they're just like, you know what, we don't need to. They're too busy listening to heavy metal, though. They're, well, they're too busy doing what they love and <laughs> counting. They're, they're counting their money. You know, they're doing fine. Yeah, no, they're doing fine, and and we'll we'll hear all from all about it from uh, Ryan when he goes this year. <laughs> when he goes when he goes to Dark Lord Day, you're you're not going, right? Oh, I'm no, I'm not going. I have uh, cashed in my um, my beercation for uh, for my other trip, so um, it's yep. it's not even being asked. Um, I've already made jokes about it, and my wife has already said, "Yeah, I know you won't ask me to go. You're smarter than that." <laughs> don't you dare ask <laughs> no 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 way don't you dare no no way she'll kill the podcast she'll kill it yeah there, there's a lot more she might kill uh, uh yeah so well i think that um rate beer continues to be kind of a an interesting resource um to go and look at who's rated how they rate things top beers if you are worried about who's behind rate beer, obviously we all know who that is. And if you don't trust that, fine. If you find in, you know, at face value, want to take it as it is, then, then do it. But there's a lot of things here that would totally make sense. There's some of which doesn't make sense, but you know, whoever controls the data is going to, they, they know what they're doing. AB, AB, AB and Bev knows what they're doing. Yeah. They're, I mean, the reason why a company acquires a company is to generate revenue off of it in some way. Right. Yeah. So it's a, it'll just be interesting to see if, um, rate beer is able to keep to what they were and to be, give unbiased ratings and, um, or if we see, um, you know, a, a marked difference in, Beers nearby, top-rated beers nearby. Who are they, and are they being driven by AB and Bev or not? Yeah, you're right. Like that whole section where it's like, what are the top-rated beers around you? That is where they could really sort of push, push well, things. And you know, one, there I, I did read an article or I read like a little blurb where, you know, one guy said, you know, 
posted on Twitter, like really interesting right after this happened. Uh, I went on rate beer and the top three rated beers in my area are all AB and Bev products. Shocker. So just, I mean, you know, it could be, could be nothing. AB and Bev is big. They have a big portfolio, but, um, it also could mean that they are manipulating their data. So yeah, who knows? Time will tell. Um, yeah. So Sunday, I guess was a pretty big day. I mean, you got the Super Bowl, which, you know, if you were a defensively um, interested and excited football watcher, then it was a great game to watch. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna just divulge something very embarrassing that I only let a couple people know. I have only recently found out what the acronym GOAT stands for. Hmm. <laughs> so. But, you know, watching Tom Brady do magic, even though it wasn't a super, you know, a super, uh, super size show by him, you know, he, he's, he's, he's pretty crazy. He's pretty good. He's amazing, man. I, I you know, I, I talked with a bunch of people who, you know, you get this, um, this hate of the Patriots and this hate of Tom Brady because they win a lot. Um, I don't, I mean, I would, I would have liked to have seen the Rams win because I, I don't, always want to see the same team win, but you have to respect it, man. Like I, I didn't see the Patriots as the underdog as they tried to be. They tried to say that they are, we're still here and all this stuff. Like everybody wrote us off. Like literally no one wrote them off. Right. No. But the most amazing thing to me was, um, he did it again, man. He and Belichick did it again. And it was like the, the whole story of the whole year has been, you know, Sean McVay, the boy wonder 33, three years old, oh you know, younger than me, younger than, I mean, he's 33 years old. He's the head coach of the LA Rams, but he's this, you know, the boy wonder of offense. And he was made to look bad. Oh yeah. By, yeah. by the defense. And I, and I, and you know, credit to the Rams defense as well. They held Tom Brady to, you know, I think his worst Super Bowl ever. Um, but, but didn't still quite get enough done. You, you know, know he still he, got he the win. Yeah. He didn't have to be flashy, but that, I honestly will say that was one of the first times watching the Patriots. And I will say that seven years ago when my son was born, I will always remember this because we usually celebrate his, uh, my firstborn, his birthday. You know, it's usually Super Bowl weekend. And I remember, I can't remember who they were, they beat seven years ago, but, you know, the Patriots won the Super Bowl. So it's sort of this sort of weird, uh, you know, thing where this year I was kind of like, I kind of wanted, I've stopped hating him just for winning. And now it's kind of like, Lordy, he could be one of the best quarterbacks we've ever seen. Oh, I mean, I think I, I just I think it's it's it, the conversation is over. And now you just have to enjoy it. I, I don't I don't understand. I mean, I I kind of like you know I kind of have this like you know he, he all at some point you have, you know people wonder like if you had to choose between one or the other, who would you choose, Bill Belichick or Tom Brady? And like, I think you have to choose Tom Brady. Yeah, because at some point, at some point, the quarterback has to make the throws and read the coverages and and make mistakes or not make mistakes. Even though he just only recently ate a strawberry. Yeah, his dude. I mean, his diet's a whole. His diet is a whole other <laughs> thing, man. So anyway, I was I got off on a tangent, but basically, a Sunday was a pretty big day for AB InBev. You've got the acquisition there, fully of rate beer, basically on Sunday, which happened. Uh, you have. Um, commercials uh, during the Super Bowl, which basically said that uh, now Budweiser or, or, or Bud products are now 
created by wind power, you know, or powered by wind, which is, my, dude, I, I, I have com- to interject here. My, even, you know, my <laughs> wife who was, she was bored out of her mind during the Super Bowl. like legitimately could like just, you know, she just wants to see high scoring game, which, which I get right. Yeah. Um, I loved it because of defense and everything, but that was like the one commercial that she's just like, she literally goes, Oh my gosh, Budweiser, no one cares that you're green. <laughs> like she goes, she goes something like, Don't aren't aren't most consumers of Budweiser products climate deniers? Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. I was like, aren't these mostly climate deniers anyway? So why do they yeah, like, care? Like they don't care. No one cares about this. And and that uh I saw that they they uh, really pimped the organic uh Michelob Ultra. I mean, <laughs> I just got to know, is, is there Beechwood organic? Oh, no, no, I don't think Michelob Ultra. That's just. No, think, no, I'm sorry, Bud, Budweiser. I feel, Budweiser. I think that Michelob Ultra is water filtered through beer. Michelob Ultra is like, it's beer flavored LaCroix. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it is. It's the workout beer. Oh, yeah. I mean, Lance Armstrong loved it, so. Of course, yeah, and he drank a lot of it, I'm sure. Yeah, well, yeah. All right, man, that was uh, that was fun. Uh, I think it was a really <laughs> yeah, interesting man. topic, and uh, I think any craft beer lover should at least know um, a little bit about rape beer. But you know, always know who's who's behind, who's telling you things. You know, uh, yep. whether it's you know, don't let anybody tell you what to drink. But this is definitely one thing that tells you don't don't always listen to to who's telling you what's good. Yep. Absolutely. All right, buddy. You guys, uh, always, always a pleasure, man. Always a pleasure. Keep it real up there in uh, Chicago. All right, brother. All right. Cheers. Cheers.